Welcome to the St. James Sermon Podcast. This podcast is recorded and produced by St. James Episcopal Church, located in the Lake Highlands neighborhood of Dallas, Texas. For more information, head to stjamesdallas.org. I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Good morning. Wow. Here and awake. Amazing. We are in uh, second Lent. We actually, we're finishing up the second week of Lent this week. And so I hope that you're all uh, already starting to get in the habit of being penitent, of, uh, of l- looking at how uh, uh, sinful we are, our sinful natures, and how much we are in need of redemption. If it were olden times, the cat and nine tails would have been handed out. You would have been whipping yourselves, binding your, binding your legs with cinchers until they bleed. And yes, you would have to suffer the time change. <laughs> we should call a holiday on today. Church holiday. Parishioner told me that they ought to get extra points for that for being here today. I agree. Well, you're here and you're awake, so let's, uh, let's, let's look at our scripture this morning. So would y'all do me a favor and take out your, your bulletins, turn them back, uh, you know, turn, fold it back like that to page uh, six, grab a pencil or a pen that's in your pew, and let's go through the scripture this morning. This is not something I normally do in uh, my sermons, but I thought today it might be a good exercise for us to do it, especially with all you kind of tired-looking people. Might be a good thing to do. So um, if you're so inclined, if, you, if you'll indulge me and you'll do this with me, I believe that you'll find that you'll get a little bit more out of the Scripture today. So uh, do me a favor and just underline some Pharisees. Some Pharisees, underline that, okay? Or circle it, whatever you want to do to, to denote that you're going you're to do it. Now, some Pharisees, that's kind of like us saying, uh, if we get mad at something the government's doing, Washington, D.C., oh. We wrap all of Washington, D.C. into this act that happens, and we, we condemn all of Washington, D.C. We're actually, we're only talking about maybe the president, or maybe the Congress, or maybe the Senate, or maybe some portion of our government. But we say, Washington, D.C., ah! And in some ways, Luke has done this for us. He's, he said, he's kind of painted a picture of the Pharisees as being this, this, uh, mob of of people who are out to get Jesus. But if we look really close, and we've been taught that, haven't we? Have y'all been taught that? Yeah, kind of. Hopefully not from me, but from other people. So here's what I want to tell you. Jesus has been visited by a Pharisee in the middle of the night, Nicodemus. Jesus has um, has uh, accepted dinner invitations to, Pharise- to the Pharisee's house you don't do that if you got, you don't do that to go to an enemy's house. You go, you accept a dinner, you accept a dinner invitation to go to friends, right? These are religious people. Jesus is a religious person. I mean, if we look outside the Bible to other sources like, say, Josephus, Josephus actually paints the Pharisees in a very, um, a very positive light. The Pharisees were known for making worship a very hard worship accessible. They had all these laws, these 600 and something laws that, that uh, they wanted you to keep. And the Pharisee says, yay, we can do this. It's fun. Come and join me. That was the job of the Pharisees. They were the cheerleaders. 
They were the ones that wanted to make accessible. Now, not so much with the Sadducees and maybe the temple temple uh, folks, but the Pharisees were trying to make it um, more accessible for for people who weren't necessarily in the temple every day, just the temple elite. And so when we see that some Pharisees came to Jesus and said, we have to keep in mind that they could have been saying, oh, we just want to scare Jesus off from the way that he's going, so we're just going to tell him that Herod's wanting to kill him. But more than likely, these Pharisees were concerned about Jesus and his ministry and wanted to warn him about Herod. Now, the uh, the temple aristocracy didn't have the power to kill Jesus. Rome did not give them that power. Their religion didn't give them that power. However, Herod, even though he was Jewish, I'm air quoting Jewish, kind of, he's already proven that he can kill. I mean, he did John the Baptist, right? And so the Pharisees we're seeing here are coming as friends of Jesus to warn Jesus that he's in, that he's in parable, in peril, excuse me, in peril. And so the Pharisees say to Jesus, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus says, and here comes the next thing, go tell that fox, underline fox, go tell that fox. Now, I asked the first service, and I was shocked to find out that nobody goes to Facebook and looks at those cute little videos that are going on. How many of you guys in here do that? Okay, I see. Some of you guys do that. If you're in Facebook, you should go and look at those. They're pretty good. I don't look at the cat or the dogs anymore, but I do go and look at those. And there's one where this guy's up, and he's playing, I can't remember, a violin or some instrument, musical instrument. And as he's playing kind of out on this knoll, this fox kind of comes up. And it sits down, and it looks at him like, that's cool, dude. I like this music. And then another one comes up. Another one comes up. And you're kind of going, oh, it's a fox. They're so cute. They're not quite a cat. They're not quite a dog. They're kind of in between. They're cute. Not with the Greeks. No, 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 no. So when, when he says, go tell that fox, he, Jesus is not saying, go tell that cute little fuzzy, not quite a cat, not quite a dog person that, you know, I'm going to keep about my work. No, no, no. He's saying, go tell that fox, that sinister, twisted, deceitful person. That's what he meant by the fox. It wasn't a term of endearment. Remember, Jesus has already had a run-in with Herod in the form of, of uh, John the Baptist, and it didn't come out well for his cousin. So he knows what he's getting into, and he calls him out. He calls Herod out. Now, remember, the last person that called Herod out, John the Baptist, uh, got his head separated from his shoulders because of that. So this is a dangerous game that he's playing. And he says this, um, go tell that fox for me, listen, I'm casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow and on the third day. Now, you bunch of Christians, don't go to the resurrection yet. We're not there. We're not there. Now, we have been heading there. We've been heading there uh, towards Jerusalem. He set his face, and he's heading towards Jerusalem. He's done that since chapter 9, and we're in chapter 13. So he is on his way, but he's not there. He's not quite there. So that third day means something else, and it could mean, because in Luke, every word has a meaning, this third day may have been allusions to what's going to happen on the third day of his ministry, which is what? The resurrection. Yeah. So I chided you for that. I really didn't mean it. I take it back. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be, underline must be, underline must be, circle that, 
star it. And then out next to that in the margin, you can see what I've done out next to, the, to, the, to it in the margin. I've written this word. Write this word. D-E-I. D-E-I. Or if you're Greek, Delta, Epsilon. Iota. Thank you. Day. It means divine. Of God. Holy. All right. Now, most of you, if I said Greek, by the way, you just wrote Greek. Congratulations. Good job. You're all theologians. I must be about my father's work. I must be about, I must be about, uh, I must be on my way. I must be on my divine mission. On this mission, I'm going to, I'm going to channel my inner blues brothers. We're on a mission from God here. He is on a mission from God. All right. This is not just work that he's gone about, but he has purpose in his life. He has purpose in his ministry. What he is doing is is he's called to do by something greater than himself. Now I need to hear you I need to hear get you guys to hear that. It's something greater than himself. So I'm alluding to you that there's something out there, a call on your life that is greater than yourself. All right, I'll circle back around to that. So just hang on to that. So you got that. <clears throat> Must be is actually D-E-I, day, means divine. Okay, let's keep going. Because it's impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Well, it's not impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Prophets have been killed outside of Jerusalem. But it's impossible for this prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. This prophet being Jesus. This prophet is going to be killed in Jerusalem, not outside of Jerusalem. So when, when the Pharisees say, Herod is seeking to kill you, Jesus is going, look, Herod's not going to kill me. I'm going to be killed in Jerusalem, not out here in the wilderness. It's not going to happen. Trust me. I know. I've seen it. It's going to happen in Jerusalem. And he's saying that. Now, I love this next part. Jerusalem, the Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I had desired to gather your children together as a bald eagle carries its, or a falcon, or a, some other great bird of prey. No, a chicken. A chicken. Now, I grew up in Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee. I'm a city boy. The only chickens that I ever encountered were at the petting zoo. So I don't know much about chickens. Yes, it is. (laughs) I can see now the loss in my childhood. But those of you who did grow up around chickens probably know the story about the hen and how far a hen will go to protect her brood. If you see a chicken that's got its wings spread out and kind of cupped around like this, she's probably got something underneath those wings. And she's going to turn her back to you. And when she turns her back to you, what is she doing? She's sacrificing herself to protect her young. All right, are you seeing now how that image looks? Jesus wants to, with Jerusalem... This city that's going to kill him, he's going to want, he wants to, like a hen, protect them even to the point of death, which is what a hen will do to protect its young. It's a beautiful image. 
Seminary professor of mine did a whole sermon just on that one sentence. It was it was a beautiful sermon. I'm not going to get into the graphics that he got into. It was really gross, but it was cool. So, uh, but they're not willing. Okay, so Jerusalem was 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 uh, they were seeking something. They were seeking a Messiah. They were seeking somebody that would come in and rescue them. And that person came into their midst, and they weren't willing to let Jesus uh, protect and support them except he did protect and support them even to the point of death. Okay, here we go. And I tell you, circle or underline, tell you, okay? And then right out next to that, D-E-I. So Jesus is saying in this sentence that I'm giving you a, a divine commandment or I'm giving you a divine word. I give you a divine word. You will not see me, and uh, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed, and underline this whole section, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now I want to remind us, Jesus is on this divine mission to do something, all right? Now we're not, we're, we're, we're in Lent, we're here, we're not quite to Jerusalem, even though we know in our head exactly what's going to happen, you got to kind of step out of that for a minute. And remember that Jesus has this mission, and he's on his way. He's not there. This, this action has not happened. We're on our way as Christians in the middle of Lent. We are on our way to our Jerusalem. We're on our way on our divine mission to do something that we're called to do. And the divine word that he gives us is, I'm not going to be, you're not going to see me again until that time. Blessed is one who comes, okay? The Greek translation for one who comes is one coming. It makes a little bit of a difference in that sentence. So let me read it to you again. Blessed is the one coming in the name of the Lord. Who is the one coming? Jesus. Sunday school answer. Everybody say it with me. Jesus. Jesus. That's right. Jesus is coming. All right? Now, once again, we've got to step out of, if we're reading the scripture, we've got to step out of what we already know, which is Jesus is going to die on this cross. If you step out of that and you hear this, this sentence, what a blessing it is. It's a divine telling that the one who is coming is blessed. Who is he blessed by? God. God. So let's talk about this passage as it relates to us because we are in Lent and we are in need of of reconciliation. We are in need of something bigger than ourselves. What are we called to do as Christians? What are we called? If you question that at all, if you even ask yourself that question, turn back to the front of your bulletin and put a bracket around the very bottom statement down there, that Matthew 28 statement. And let's read this. And Jesus said, Uh, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth, this divine mission, all authority has been given to me. He is the blessed one, the one who has come from God and is blessed by God. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples, period. That is our divine mission, folks, to go and make disciples. That means that when you leave this pew today, your job may be to go to the restaurant and eat, eat lunch, right? It may be your divine mission because at lunch, you may encounter somebody that doesn't know the love of Jesus Christ. 
And your mission is to share the love of Christ. How do you do that? Hey, how are you doing today? I'm glad to see you're awake in here. Thanks for being here. Yeah. It could be that simple. It could be as simple as just simply sharing a kind word, a a nod, a door opening. You don't know what people are going through. You have no idea what somebody is going through. And yet your actions as the love of God comes right through you, right? Go there and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, you can baptize somebody. The priest does it. The deacon does it. But so do you. You can baptize them. If it's in an emergency situation, you bunch of Episcopalians, you can baptize somebody in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't give you that permission. God gives you that permission. This is your divine mission. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and remember that I am with you. You're not called to do this on your own. Remember that I am with you always to the end of the age. Isn't that awesome? We have a divine mission that God has given us. He's left us with this divine mission. He's left us with this imperative that we're supposed to go and make disciples of those who don't know the love of Christ so that they too can come into the fellowship of all believers and know what it means to live a reconciled life back to God. And now we're back around to Lent because that's exactly what we do in Lent. We realize how much in need, how much in need we are of being reconciled back to a God who wants to be in reconciled and in relationship with us. It's the holy cycle of life. And all God asks us to do in return for this wonderful, beautiful, amazing gift is to go out and talk about it. Just spread it. Just tell people about it. You don't have to do it in an obnoxious way by standing on a milk crate with a bullhorn. If you want to do that, I support you 100%. But that's not what I'm asking you, and I don't feel like that's what God's asking you to do. God's asking you to go out and live your life like you're saved, folks. Go out and live your life like you're reconciled back to something that's larger than ourselves. And in the process, when you bump up against people and you hear that little angel on your shoulder saying, go talk to them, recognize that that's the Holy Spirit saying, I want to love them like I love you. And I'm going to use you to do that. And don't be afraid to do it. Just go out and see them. Go out and talk to them. Give them a handshake. Open a door. Give them a smile. Buy them a coffee. Crying out loud. It's not that much. And in the process, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. Amen. Thank you for joining the sermon podcast of St. James Episcopal Church, located in the Lake Highlands neighborhood of Dallas, Texas. For information about our church and how to get involved, visit stjamesdallas.org.